Welcome to the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roslyn, Mexico. And I'm your co-host, Sean Lee. We count it as an honor for you to join us today. It's our purpose at Living Your Dash to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. In Romans chapter 8, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul is wrapping up his thoughts on the will, work, and ways of God. But instead of making some summary statements, he instead poses five questions to to his audience. This is no accident. He intended for us to think deeply about it and to make the logical consequences of those truths. What are those important truths? Well, that's the focus of Pastor Rick Hale's brand new sermon series, Five Big Questions. This week, Pastor Rick and Sean discuss the most basic and foundational of all the questions, is God for me or against me? Now, you can watch this message anytime, as well as get the latest information about Grace Community Church by going to our webpage at roselgrace.com. Now, let's join Pastor Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, Rick, you had another great start of a brand new series, uh, The Five Big Questions. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, why, why did you want to follow up um, the last series with this new series, five big questions. What's what's the the origin here? Well, earlier this year, I was leading a Bible study through the Book of Romans. We got to chapter eight, the great chapter in the mm-hmm. Book of Romans, and we got to the very end of that chapter, and I noticed something fascinating: that Paul ends that section in Romans with five questions, and in some ways he asks and answers, but the format is still in the form of a question. And Mm. so I began to ask myself, I wonder why Paul ended this section with five questions. And the more I looked at them, the more I studied them, I learned, Donald, these are not ordinary questions. These are big. These are huge, uh, profound, important questions that can impact and transform a person's life if we get the right answers to these five questions. So, mm. And I find it fascinating, too. I, I love the idea of questions. Questions are powerful. Uh, you know, kind of the old uh, Socrates loved to use the Socratic method right. mm-hmm. of asking questions. Sean, did you know Jesus did the very same? Really? Absolutely. When you study the teachings of Jesus, either the, the extended sections like the Sermon on the Mount or his parables, you will be amazed at how often Jesus either begins a parable mm. or a teaching with a question, or how often he will end with a question. Yeah. And the power of a question is what well, you know, Sean, if I if I if I make a statement to you, what are you doing while I'm talking? You're thinking about what you're gonna say back. Yeah. But if I ask you a question, it, it controls your thought process. So if I ask you a question, you're thinking about how you're going to answer my question. Yeah. So it keeps us kind of on the same page. Yeah. And that's the power of a question. Questions make us think. Yeah. And these five questions definitely will make you think. That's amazing. I, I know that for some of us, when we were growing up, we had to go through a confirmation class. And the confirmation class always ended up with a list of questions um, that we had we had to answer, and I, I find it interesting that well, I guess every test is going to have a question, but I, it it really is meant not just to 
to put down the right answer. It really is meant to make us think. And then I thought about Jesus as a boy. Um, when his parents came back looking for him, he was at the temple, and the the men were the uh, the people at the temple were were amazed not as not at his answers, but by his questions. Yeah, and I wonder if he knew the answers to those questions. He was just trying to get those guys <laughs> yeah. to get it. I mean, do you think about yeah. his Jesus saying, you know, can can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Question mark. Yeah. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? Question mark. Is a lamp brought brought out to put under a basket or under a bed rather than on a lampstand? Question mark. Uh, yeah. On and on and on. The questions that Jesus... Questions have a way of penetrating our heart. Wow. And then, of course, Paul, who is also a Jew, in the book of Romans, he, he's... So those, those five questions, would you say that they're really the most important questions we need to really consider and think about uh, in our lifetime? I would. I would. And as we work our way through this series, my hope and prayer is that people will not only see how profound these questions are, but how life transformation, how life transforming they can be. When you get the answer to these questions, it's like you get the answers to these, God gets you. That's amazing. They're that powerful. So these are all foundational. So so let's let's get into it. The very first question that you asked was, is God for me or against me? And you used the realized story, the narrative of uh, Jesus with Zacchaeus, um, and you proved that Jesus doesn't care about our past or our present, or at least he doesn't let that influence our future uh, with him. Um, it, it seems that in, the, that in existence with God, existence with God is the driving theme. A peaceful existence with God is the driving theme throughout the whole Bible. So you know, why why is inclusion with God so important? So you think about, and I, and I think about what you just asked in, in reference to Zacchaeus. If God's driving force is to have a relationship with, uh, with people like Zacchaeus, and what was the problem? Zacchaeus had a past. Yeah. Oh, man. He was a Roman tax collector. He was hated, despised. We know from his story, he ripped people off. Mm -hmm. He was abusive to people. Uh, he took advantage of people. He got rich at other people's expense. And yet, Sean, here God wants to have a relationship with Zacchaeus. What was the, uh, the barrier between God and Zacchaeus having a relationship? It was his past. Yeah. It was his past. So somehow, somehow God had to deal with his past. And Jesus walks into Jericho, and here this little short tax collector has to scurry <laughs> up a sycamore tree just to see Jesus and has no idea that Jesus is going to stop at the foot of that tree, look up and say, Zacchaeus, I got to go to your house today, buddy. We got mm. to talk. We got to talk. Uh, the, the thought that Jesus would have anything to do with a guy like Zacchaeus surprised two people. Number one, it surprised Zacchaeus. Yeah, yeah. He had no idea. Oh, my goodness. How did he know my name? Yeah. And why does he care about me? There's the key. Why does he care about me? I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm an abuser. People don't like me. I'm despised. Surely God is against a guy like me. And there it is. God's yeah. against me. God could never be for me. He could never be in my corner. But the second group... Uh, that were surprised were the religious 
leaders. Yeah. And it was like, wait, Jesus, aren't you here to uh, reward us? Aren't you here to hand out gold medals for our performance? How dare you go to the house of a sinner, sinner. like mm-hmm. Zacchaeus? And so, so Jesus, you see, with Zacchaeus, he had to break through that barrier of God could never be for me. Mm. With the Jewish leaders, it, he had to break through that barrier. Well, God could never be against someone like me. And Zacchaeus had to learn that, hey, there's a hope for a person like me. And the religious leaders had to understand and realize, uh, you know what, we're sinners just as much as Zacchaeus. Yeah. Is this the historical town of Jericho? Absolutely. So so it just occurred to me two things that, first of all, that, and you mentioned it Sunday. And by the way, I'm going to put the, the, the link to the sermon uh, in the notes, but, but uh, he called them out by name. And I think that the, and, and the name of a person is very important. It's, it's their identity. It's the first thing that, that, that they really learn about themselves uh, in, as an independent entity in this, in this universe, in this world. And that for the longest time, Zacchaeus was known, it was, it was a nasty word. Oh, great. I got to go see Zacchaeus. I'm sure they spit it out a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, or it was a hated name. Who, who would want to name their child Zacchaeus? Yeah. You know, named after him. Oh, boy, that's terrible. But Jesus said his name. That's touching to me. When you get to the end of the story, he adds something to it. Instead of being Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Jesus says Zacchaeus, the son of Abraham. Ah. He changed him. He changed him. Totally transformed this man. He gave him a new name. Okay, I, you're getting ahead. Okay. You know? <laughs> no, but the other thing I thought was, how ironic that Jericho was the town that the walls had to fall in. And uh, and now there is a different type of wall yeah. that the, needs to come down. Absolutely. The walls yeah. have to come down yeah. for a relationship to be established. But, Sean, you're exactly right. God, all the way through Scripture, there's this driving theme in the, in the Bible that God wants to have a relationship with people. And yeah. He is willing to... Knock down whatever wall it takes to get there. Let's go to that phrase that <laughs> I was kidding about. But you know, I want to dive just a little bit deeper on 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 Jesus' last statement. Um, and he wasn't speaking to Zacchaeus; he was speaking to everybody else. But really, he was speaking to a certain group, wasn't he? Um, Today, salvation has come to this house. He said, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost, and so. I love the fact that Jesus linked his salvation, Zacchaeus' salvation, not to his actions, um, the fact that he gave to the poor and repaid people, which is the right thing to do, um, uh, because he cheated people, but because, uh, as Jesus declared, this man too, as you just mentioned, is a son of Abraham. Um, what does that mean, son of Abraham? I think it, well, I think a lot of people, Sean, here get mixed up when it comes to salvation, where Jesus said, uh, for this, uh, uh, the Son of Man that came to seek and save the lost, and salvation has come to this man's house. Some people mistakenly think, well, Zacchaeus did these good works. He gave money to the poor. He made restitution to the people he cheated. And so some would misunderstand and think, oh, well, because he did these good works, he earned his salvation. Mm. That's not what Jesus is saying. Yes. It's that, matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. Because salvation came to this man's heart, the fruit of that salvation 
was his good works. His good works didn't save him. His salvation produced the good works. Uh-huh. Let me give you an example, Sean. In my backyard, uh, I have a I have a pear tree, and right now there's some beautiful pears mm. hanging on that tree. Guess what? If I pull those pears off, the tree is going to continue to be alive. Why? <laughs> because the the pears don't make the tree alive. The tree is the one that makes the pears alive it produces right. so it's the i like to think of it as the difference between the root of salvation and the fruit of salvation the root of our salvation is our faith in jesus zacchaeus put his faith in jesus and once he became alive he became a new man then the fruit of the work god had done in his life the fruit of salvation is what produced that fruit okay so the roots is more important than the fruit. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Again, I can pull all the pears off my tree. It doesn't kill the good kill the tree. Why? Because the life is not in the fruit. The the life is in the tree and the, even that life comes from the root. So the key shot is we must always have our roots deeply embedded in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so no root, no fruit. How about no fruit, no root? <laughs> Well, Jesus would agree with that as well. <laughs> it was Jesus who said, you will know them by their fruit. Yeah. So what's he saying? Yeah. Well, hey, do you want to know, does this guy really have a, a, a good solid root system? How do you know? Do you have to get a shovel and dig out the roots? No. Mm. All you have to do, look at the tree. Yeah. Is there fruit? So a person can say all day long, uh, Lord, Lord, look what I did, look what I did. And remember what Jesus said? Yeah. I never knew I you. Never knew you. Yeah. I never knew you. What does that mean? He, he didn't have roots in me. So yeah. good works do not bring salvation. Yes. Uh, salvation brings good fruit. So if you, look at a, if you look at a tree and there's no fruit, then you have to wonder something's wrong with that root system. Yeah. You'll know the tree by its fruit. Yeah, I, I think that there's... Whenever I meet uh, different different folks in town, I think that that a phrase that that always scares me a little bit is when they say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm trying to do my best to be a good person and and uh, get to church. I, I hope I'm I'm really making my way to heaven here." That's a scary, scary thing. You're exactly yeah. right because what they're doing is they're saying it's what it, my my salvation has to do with my doing in Christianity is all about a big done that Jesus has done something for us. It's not our doing that brings about our salvation. It's that Christ has, has done something for us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now the second thing that Jesus said was uh, for the son of man came to seek uh, and, and to save what was lost. What does son of man mean? That's an interesting phrase. And, and what's so significant about seeking and saving the lost? It is interesting that Jesus used that term uh, probably more than any other term to describe himself. He didn't walk around in his teaching talking, calling himself the son of God that hmm. much or the Messiah. Matter of fact, he refrained from those, but he picked up this term son of man and it really comes from the book of Daniel, mm. that Daniel prophesied hundreds of years earlier that there would come a day when a, 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 an individual would come on the scene and Daniel called him the son of man. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that, I believe, was that he would fully identify with man, with humanity, which 
we know Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that was true. But for the Jew, for the Jewish mind, when a Jew heard the term son of man, his mind would immediately go to the prophecy of Daniel and would know this is this is code term, code terminology for the Messiah, the yeah. Christ. So they would immediately have picked up and said, wait, I've heard that phrase before. Oh, wait a minute. This is, wait a this minute. is the guy that Daniel prophesied about. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so when he's saying seeking and saving, um, I mean, this... This stands as a testament, especially today, um, you know, because I think that, that uh, the world, honestly, I think the world doesn't think it needs to be saved. Uh, wh- wh- why do you think Jesus is clear about that with us? Yeah, the, the bottom line is people, many people, really don't think they need to be saved because they're not perfect, but they're not that bad. Right. And, you know, see, the thing of Sean is, you know, I'm not perfect, Sean, but I'm better than you. <laughs> And as long as I can find other people with whom I can compare myself, as long as I come out looking better than them, then I feel like that someday, someday, um, when I stand before God on Judgment Day, you know, we'll pull out the scales and I'll weigh my good and I'll weigh the bad. And all I've got to do is just make sure I have a little bit more good than I have bad. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in. Then I'm in. And it's a terrible terrible misunderstanding of salvation that that we were terribly lost there's nothing we could do to rescue ourselves and jesus came on a rescue mission and it took his blood shed on the cross to save us so it's not an 80 20 you know jesus you do 80 percent of my salvation and i'll kick in 20 percent and we're Mm. good to go jesus says it's no it's 100 percent or nothing yeah yeah. You, you, nothing in my hands I have. You know, I have nothing in my hands to bring yeah. simply to the cross I claim. There you go. There you go. I, I love the, the way you put that, uh, in, in 80-20, because then it means that I'm, I'm actually bringing something to the table. And and actually, as, as I think about that logic, it's like, well, shouldn't I bring something to the table? But, of course, the Scripture tells us that even the good things that we bring onto the table are nothing but Filthy rags. Filthy rags, the prophet says. Yes. So we have to see ourselves as 100% lost and 100% in need of a Savior. Yeah, fantastic. Well, no wonder that's question number one. uh, Is God for me or against me? And the obvious answer is God is. God is for me. And and until a person realizes that God is in your corner. Yeah. You know, so in the boxing match... Uh, he's he's not fighting you, and he's not the other boxer's manager. Uh, he's in your corner. He yeah. is for you. He is fighting for you, and we need to see him as being on our side. Yeah. Is God for me or against me? He is 100% for you. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait for the next series what what is the next uh, the next uh, message well next installment i'm excited about question number 2 that uh-huh. paul brings up and and here's the way i'm wording question number 2 you can read it at the end of romans 8 for yourself but the question is will god provide for me or disappoint me ooh that's important Sean, especially when you know, think about the the the, the covid situation that yeah. we're in right now so many people 
before it hit, things were good. The economy was good. I had a great job. Everything was cruising along great. And then almost overnight, you know, I lost my job or uh, they cut me back and I'm, I'm at 50%. And, you know, what are we going to do with my kids getting back to school? And, and we just feel like, boy, God let me down. Here, I thought I was on the right track. God let me down. God disappointed me. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about it. Believe it or not, Sean, uh, not with some um, low-level believer, you know, who struggled with this. We're going to pull out one of the great heroes of the faith, John the Baptist. Hmm. I mean, this is the guy Jesus said, Nobody's better than this guy. Yeah, you know, greater's no man than John the Baptist, other than me. Yeah, but, yeah. But in uh, Jesus, put him right at the top, and we're gonna we're gonna look at a, a time in John the Baptist's life when uh, he was having a bad day. Mm. He was he was going through a bad season, having serious doubts, and and his big question mark it was, uh, is God going to disappoint me? Yeah. And so we're gonna we're gonna look at how God answered that question how Jesus answered that question for uh, for John. Fantastic. Well, what are some other things that are happening here at Grace Community Church? Well, we're excited coming up in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, it's uh, August 16th. We're going to be taking our regional mission offering for our Bixby uh, church plant, Bixby, oh, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been working with them for about a year. Uh, the Nolans who were on staff here felt called by God to go to Bixby, Oklahoma and plant Baby Grace Community Church. <laughs> and we're excited that we get to participate in that. Now, Sean, something's coming up on September 20th. I know you're excited about I'm it. Very Go excited. ahead and tell us. What are you excited about? Well, and I realize that, you know, we're still dealing with some of the COVID-19 issues, but I think that, that people would, well, it depends on who you ask, but I, I think that people would generally agree that we're out of the greatest danger. And, you know, eventually it, it's going to dissipate. I mean, even the Black Death is just a footnote in history now. And so I, I think that, that uh, it's time for us to say, you know what, we won. Uh, we won, and we're still winning, and, and there's little little fires to put out every once in a while. But actually, nationwide, they're having this thing called Back to Church Sunday. And we thought, you know what, that's a great idea. Let's do that September 20th. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to be cooking some hot dogs and some hamburgers and have some games and uh, we're, we're, we're trying to secure uh, Delta West Park at this point the, the park that's right next to uh, Grace Community Church I know some people call it Grace Park but it's actually Delta West Park uh, but, uh, but you can call it that if you want to but uh, we're going to have a great time well the good, news, the good news is you know Lord Welling will be able to use the park and, and because it's such a big park we'll be able to spread people out and we, we're confident we can do it in a fun and yet safe way at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the time. Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments at info at roselgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at roselgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.